So this morning, I'm really excited about just the word that I have for us. Um, I believe it's, it's in the heart of the Lord. And we're going to be reading some scripture this morning. And I hope that you brought your Bible and that you don't go to war without a gun. It might not be great for you. Maybe you can run fast, um, but that's not me. And so you can take out your Bible so long, whether on your phone or whether a book. And I know this goes without saying, but I want to encourage us to make sure that we have our Bibles with us um, when we come. I know we need to get back into, into things again after the holiday. And you can, you can page so long to Matthew 24. And we're going to be reading that portion of Scripture. It's going to be a bit longer than usual, um, but I do feel like there's something significant about these words. Now, um, <clears throat> before we get into that, just some context. Jesus is in this part of Scripture. He's in Jerusalem. And basically, he's getting ready for Passover, getting ready for the crucifixion that is coming within the next few um, chapters. He's getting ready and saying goodbyes and giving, giving all the, the kind of last things to, to the disciples of just what is coming and what he wants to do. And it's, a, it's quite significant. Now, I think for most of us, when you travel somewhere, you kind of start thinking about what do I need, what's the trip going to be like, what am I going to do when I get there, and you start preparing. And I think in the same way, Jesus is preparing himself, but also preparing his disciples for the trip that is to come. Now, recently, we've gone away over the holidays, um, and so just before the holidays, I kind of saw this deal, and I bought a couple of smart bulbs, okay? Um, and how they work is, is you can, with an app on your phone, put them on and off, okay? And they just need to be connected to my Wi-Fi network, and a um, couple of smart bulbs and a couple of smart plugs so that I can make it look like someone is at home well, nobody is at home, and I asked Gerbrand to just come and stay there in our house, and I thought, okay, um, I can also use it to give you a little bit of a mickey with the lights going on and off, but um, I did tell him beforehand, and so I couldn't do it to the guy. Um, he's going to get scared quite quickly, so he... Um, but anyway, so I did all these things because I knew I'm going to go away, I'm not going to be home, and I want to kind of leave things in a certain way and prepare things. And in the same way, I believe Jesus in these scriptures is putting things in place and setting things for what is to come. And so when we read this, we've got to read it like that. Jesus knows at this point in time, standing in Jerusalem, he knows where he's going. It's like he can see it. He knows what God has been preparing and pushing him towards up to now. And he knows that this, I've got this amount of time and I need to get all my ducks in a row, buy all the things and do all the things for me to get there. And so then we pick up here in um, chapter 24 and it's quite a, it's quite a heavy one, Okay. But just something I do want to point out to us, and when you look in your Bible, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's going to be on your app, but 
if you look in your Bible, almost the whole of this chapter and 23 and 25, 23, 24, 25 is words that are in red. And it's not because somebody made a printing error. No, the red words is there because it's Jesus' words. And that is something that I think we can often just overlook. We know that it's Jesus' words, but we kind of miss the point of it. Now, um, Mike, will you put up a, a, that first picture for me? Here we go. Okay, now you can't see very well there, but this is a picture of a book called Children to Thee, and it's written by the Andrew Murray. Okay, now my wife, Helen, you guys have, would have heard me saying, like, they are fifth generation from Andrew Murray, the author. And my father-in-law, when we were on the farm, he's got this whole collection of books that is Andrew Murray books and some really old ones um, and priceless ones. And so I was going, always go through the books when we're there. And I was going through this book, and as I'm paging through it and look at the front, I find this book, and I'm reading this little inscription, and it, it says, Mrs. Hubert, with praying um, for the Lord's blessing on the children. So he's saying to this, Mrs. Hubert, I'm praying for your children. I'm praying for the Lord's blessing on your, on your children and giving her the book. And it's inscribed, Andrew Murray, Wellington, 7 August, 1909. And I'm reading this, and I'm going like, Whoa, this is Andrew Murray. <laughs> it's not a story of, it's not somebody, but this is Andrew Murray. He wrote it with his pen. His hand was on this book, and here I'm holding it in my hand. And I was like a kid, and I was saying to my, to my dad, like, hey, did you know this? I'm like, this is Andrew Murray, right? And he looks at it, and he's like, wow, I didn't know that. And something in my heart just got just captivated by that moment. I was like, this is Andrew Murray, the man that has seen revival, the man that has written so many books on prayer and holiness. Like he is something of the golden standard of writing in terms of some of these issues. And here I'm sitting with a book in my hand that he held in his hand and he wrote on it. And just in my heart, something just jumped. I'm like, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I want the blessing. I know these in scriptures where a guy spits on something and he's seen it and somebody is healed. And I'm touching the same book, God. Give me this anointing of Andrew Murray. It's something of a fire. I was so excited about this. But when I get back to scripture, it's even more significant. So here we get a chapter, three chapters, there's more, of Jesus' words. It's not his thoughts or his ideas or what somebody thought that he said. No, 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 no. It's his words. This piece of scripture, chapter 24, when you go looking, like usually you've got Mark, John, Luke, and Matthew, the four Gospels, like they all have some similar stories and places where they connect and weave together. But when you look at this piece of Scripture, Matthew 24, and you go look at Mark 13, and you go look in Luke 21, verse 5 to 36, you almost see 
word for word, the same thing. And when I saw this, I realized, okay, but then this must be very, very important. <laughs> the fact that three out of the four disciples that wrote the Gospels wrote the exact same thing, same order, same ideas, and in some places, the same words. I go like, we need to take note of this. So when I'm going to read this now, I don't want you to hear my words. I want you to hear Jesus speaking to you. Jesus speaking right into your heart. Like he did on that day with the disciples saying to them, this is what's important. I want you to focus on this. I want you to know this. I want you to hear this. Because we're on the other side. The disciples, they had to go through some of these things. And we also still have to go through some of these things. But we can look back and we'll get to that and see that actually, man, Jesus, he was telling the truth. Anyway, I don't want to speak too much. Let's read. So, Matthew 24. And it starts off with a big title. Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple. Verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered them. See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this is the gospel of the kingdom. And this, the gospel of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. But alas, 
for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or in the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, and now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or, here, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the sun coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in a field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household? 
to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on the day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be a gnashing, there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Big scripture. It's a lot of scripture. Even for me, having to read that, I've got to focus very well. Anyway. But something of Jesus coming and saying, these are the things that is important. Now, recently, um, I saw this meme. Usually at the end of the year, there's all these memes that comes for the next year and what this year has been. And I came across scrolling, um, like we all do on Facebook, this picture, and Mike, you can put it up. And they say this, the moment you realize 2022 is pronounced 2022. See, and this lady's face is filled with fear because she's like, it's going to be another 2020. You guys catch it? Okay, clearly it wasn't as, I found it, I found it very funny. Okay, thanks, Mike, you can take it off. <sighs> See, we come into this year and we look at ourselves and we go, what was the year behind us and what is this year forward going to look like? And I want to say to you this morning, God does not care about what the year title is. 2020, 2021, 2022, 2, whatever, doesn't matter. What he sees and what his desire is, is for the coming age of the Son of Man coming back to earth. That is where his perspective is at. And in that way, he comes and he gives us this whole piece of Scripture explaining to us what is coming. Now, even in the Scripture, there's parts that can be very confusing when it becomes prophecy and end times and Daniel and the, the what's that word, um, abomination of desolation, you go like, what is going on here? I thought it's all about love and grace and marshmallows and unicorns. No. But when we think of these things, we can so easily get taken up by the fear of it, not understanding it, that we kind of just push it away. And this morning, we're not going to get into every single little nook and cranny but I want to touch on a couple of things that I think is worth for us to recognize through this piece of Scripture. And then as we see it, as we hear what he's trying to say in a broad stroke, that we get to know how to react in the little steps. Because it's fine knowing all the things and understanding all these deep things. But if what we're understanding and what we're knowing doesn't carry through and follow through in action, it actually means nothing. 
We're not going to be judged one day on what we know about Scripture or what we know about Jesus. No, and you've heard me say this and you've heard other people say this, but even the devil and the demons, they know who Jesus is. And so for us, just knowing is not enough. It's not about not enough. It's just, it's not what's going to cut it. No, but it's as we know, as we come to know, how that knowing transforms and reinvigorates and reworks in us an action that ends up looking like Jesus. Christians, little Christs. Does that make sense? So for us, there's got to be something of as we read this, a seeing, and then as we see, a doing. Or a reaction. And I want to get us to that this morning. I think it's significant that when you look, like I said earlier, in Mark 13, Luke 21, you see these exact same things being played out and being put in the same order, same words. And there's a couple of things I think is one, two, three, let's call it six. Six things that I want us to just look at. There's probably more, but six things I feel for us that as we go into this year and as we're asking this question of God, what about this year? God, what do you want to do? What is it that you're doing? What do you want to prepare me for? That we look at these things and see that actually since Jesus said it, that nothing has changed and that it's always been the same thing. Because so often we can put this pressure on ourselves that it's a new year and we need to have new vision. I remember I also stepped into this quite big. 2020, we started the year off, and I remember my preach as clear as daylight. I had this big eye. It was like just an eye. 2020, the year of clear vision. <laughs> well, things were made very clear in 2020. So we get this thing of, I've got to have this, but actually... We kind of kid ourselves and we lead ourselves astray because we're not following what He's given us. Amen? I hope you're following with me. So the first one, first thing that we see, and it's the first words that Jesus kind of throw to them, is that we will not be led astray. The enemy's heart for each and every one of us for all those that have lived, for all those that will go and live still after us, is that we would be deceived. That's his point. It's for each and every one of us that we will become deceived. That we will not see what his plan is for us. That we will not believe who he is. In that scripture even, there's two or three references to saying, when you hear there's a man, Jesus, that's there, don't listen to it. It's like the aim of the devil and the enemy is to lead astray. It's to bring a counterfeit. Because in the counterfeit, there's no power. And when you are stuck on the counterfeit, then things go haywire. Amen? So his words in, in verse 2 is, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come 
in my name, saying I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. No, no, no. Watch that. Okay, we're going to come into, but I'm, I'm now jumping in front of myself here. Number two, the thing that we need to see. We need to see that faith, our faith in God, is in the crosshairs. So the enemy wants to lead us astray, and the way he's going to do that is his gun and his crosshairs is pointed at your faith. Now, what is faith? Hebrews tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Jesus says to us, he's coming back soon. So there's this faith in us of knowing it's been this expectation. Like he's coming back. I need to be ready. But as life happens, as it's the Spanish flu or the Black Plague or whatever thing happens, this mountain or this asteroid that's coming to earth, as all these things or corona or this or markets that crash, when we look at all these things, we go, Jesus, why can't you just come? Can it get any worse than this? And what happens in our hearts is there's this disappointment and we end up losing our faith. We end up Losing that expectation of what is to come. And this is what the enemy is here, and we see it in verse 12. And because of lawlessness, sorry, let me just get here. And because of lawlessness, will, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. love of many will grow cold. It's like that lover that's been there and I'm not seeing him coming. I'm not getting that message. I'm not finding him. It's like my belief and my faith, it withers away. Third thing that we need to see is that one of the main ingredients to Jesus coming back is the purpose and the work of the gospel that need to be completed. We see it in verse 14. It says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. So it's like there's something for us there to hold on to. There's something there for us to point our hearts to. Are we just sitting and waiting for the end to come? Or are we actually taking this faith that God has taken hold of us for and working with it because we see this day approaching? Because we know that this is the ingredient for Him to come into the earth. This is the ingredient for him to not be there, but be here. You hear what I'm saying? What's it, number three, four, four. The abomination of desolation. <laughs> what do we need to see here? This is a prophecy 
and he mentions it in Daniel, Daniel 9, let me just check my, I didn't put it, but it's in Daniel 9, as far as I remember, it's a prophecy where Daniel speaks of the temple of Jerusalem that's going to be broken down, and a man that's going to stand in the middle of this temple and going to stop the worship to God and going to call himself the one to be worshipped. And so Jesus looks at that and he says to the people, like, this will come. Now, the temple that's currently there, where Jesus is at the moment, has already been rebuilt. But where Jesus is sitting about, I think it's 30 to 40 years, AD 70, around there, that same temple where all the disciples was there and the seeing temple and pointing the temple out, they all will see that temple fall again and be broken down again. But what gets introduced into that is the picture of the Antichrist. Somebody that comes and that says, no, but rather worship me. Don't worship God. His blood is not enough. Worship me. And so we see Jesus coming, and he's promising this thing. He's saying, like, look at this. This will happen. And when this happens, if we go back to the beginning, don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be led astray. Don't be rattled by it. But see it as the sign. See it as the signs of the times. Now, for all of us, and even back in the Spanish flu in 1918, where they were also wearing masks, they were preaching over radio and preaching, I think radio, yeah, 1918, preaching over radio, preaching in the, in the news kind of paper, the preachers were sending out their preachers. They were doing social distancing, exactly the same as what we were doing in 1918. Back then as well, they thought it was the end of time. Jesus is coming back soon. And some were take, overtaken with fear. But some stuck to what the Scriptures is telling us to do, which is to preach the gospel. To reach the world. And so even for us here today, there's nothing new for us here. And we can get taken away by the fear of everything that's happening around us, the uncertainty of everything, or we can hold on and hold true to what has been prophesied before. Amen? And then, the last two things in verse 27, I want us to see. It says, Jesus is coming back. It's not something that we're going to have to guess about or wonder, is it really him? Verse 27 says this, For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, I think that's right, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. See, the day when Jesus comes down, all the flat earth people are going to go, See, we told you so. But the reality is, each and every person will know that Jesus is back. Whether it's day or whether it's night. Whether you're on the North Pole or whether you're on the South Pole. Whether you're in the U U.S. or China or Africa, Australia, Russia, wherever you are, 
each and every person will know this is Jesus. So for us, we don't have to be taken up by, is it this thing or is it that thing? No, 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 no. We can just go, we know he's coming back. When we see these things happen, we can see signs. Signs that's confirming what he said. So for me, how do I respond to this? And then the last one is this. Not everybody will make it. It's what we need to see here. It's not me saying it. Jesus saying, not everybody is going to make it. One is going to stand, two men is going to stand in the field, and one is going to be taken. And there's many different thoughts about that. We're not going to go into that. But what is clear is that not everybody is going to make it. So, when we look at this, you can put that meme back up for me. When we think of these things, oftentimes, when things happen in the world, our first response is like that of this lady. It looks like she's holding maybe her handbag or a dog or something that is a wig. But our first response is that shriek and that fear and grabbing everything and holding it close so that no one can get to it. And unfortunately, what I have seen on Facebook, and I know all of us are aware of this, in Facebook, on our news, on WhatsApp, on email, the first people to call out the caution and to spread the fear of whatever is happening is Christians. I remember there used to be this thing going around of an energy drink called Monster. And it was these little three looks like a, a tiger or something had scratched the can. And all the Christians were going, don't drink it. This is the mark of the beast in some kind of language that upside down and inside out. Rock music. There's many of you that were here when rock music came out. People were saying, like, if you play these things backwards, the devil is telling you, eat more donuts. Now, I'm taking the mickey of it a little bit. But we come up with these things that we just, we don't understand what's happening. And our first response, instead of staying true to what has been said, we veer off, we get led astray, and we end up going, ah, run for your life, this is going, this is, ah. And we fill our hearts and we fill our minds and we fill our emotions and the things that could have been used for the kingdom of God, we fill it with fear. Because all of a sudden, the salvation that we have received is not strong enough for a can of monster. No, 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 no. Jesus proved to the disciples that what he said was the truth. And can I tell you why I'm saying that? See, he told them, I'm going to go away. But I'm going to come back. Don't worry. 
but they never saw the cross. They think, I don't know what they thought and how he's going to go away and come back. When the cross happened and Jesus hung on the cross and he breathed his last breath, I can tell you now, there was a weeping and a gnashing of teeth happening inside of their hearts because it was everything that for hundreds of years they've been taught, they've been, they've been prophesied, they've been in their families like passed down, like this is the Messiah. And here all of a sudden this Messiah is hanging on a cross and he can't help himself off this cross. He's just sitting there and he's dying and we're seeing him bleeding and we're seeing him breathe his last breath. What is going to happen to us? If you think you've got no hope, I'm telling you now that on that day, they had no hope. So everything was just fading away. See, but Jesus had to show them that there's nothing that can stop the Word of God. To that point, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father leading me to do. The Father led him to the cross. When Jesus came up out of death, the Father was the one sending the Holy Spirit to raise him from the dead. The Father was the one calling Jesus back into heaven again. But see, when Jesus woke up, when they saw Jesus standing in front of him, the man that they saw die in front of them, when they saw him standing in front of them, all of a sudden, all these things that he said wasn't just something of a hope that is to come. No, it became a reality. Because we've never seen that before. So then if he says that he's coming back again, it must truly be so. There's no power. There's no principality. There is not even death. That can keep him down. And they saw the word of God being confirmed. And Jesus went up to heaven. And from that point on forward, there was this expectation. He's coming back. He's coming back. So when the temple broke down, sign of times. When they got persecuted. They weren't running away or shrinking back, sign of the times. And man, their hearts were filled with expectation for Jesus coming back. Is yours? Or are we caught up and clouded by the fear of the things that we see around us? I'm ending off here, taking a bit longer. But just... Um, can you give me 2 John 1 verse 6? And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandments, just as you've heard me from the beginning, so that you walk in it. See, when fear comes and overcomes us, we lose perspective. And in that moment, our love goes out of the door. See, perfect love replaces fear. But fear can also come and push love aside. 
So for us as Christians, as those, and I want to say believers, those who follow Jesus, our love needs to be that love that doesn't grow cold, that doesn't get overcome by fear. John 14, 1 to 4, he says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. So these words that we've heard this morning, believe in God, believe also in me, and this is Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. This is his promise to us. He's going, I'm going to prepare a place. And I want to come and bring you back to that place. And so as you're sitting here this morning, there's four things, three actually. Sorry, I'm taking a bit longer. But three things I want to leave with us here this morning. Three things that I want you to go home and go sit with and go, where am I on this? So this is the application part. We've seen something. Now we need to take these three things and go, okay, I need to go and do this. I need to go and take account as we go into this year. So for now, those who are believers, three things. Do not be alarmed. Verse 6, Jesus says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, there will be earthquakes, there will be coronavirus, there will be asteroids. There might someday be aliens, I don't think so. But like these things will come. Do not be alarmed. And here's the key for us. Be alert. There's a difference. Alarmed, it's a siren that's going off and we're all over the place. Being alert is being expectant. Waiting. Being aware. Why do we need to be aware? Because we've been given the word. Amen? We need to remember when these things happen that Jesus told us. These things are signs of His coming. I love that piece in the scripture where it says, and when you see these signs, know that He's standing very close at the gate. It's like He's waiting. It's like, oh, things are happening. He doesn't look at time the way we see things. So my, ask, my question to you would be, and be alert, is if this is the case, if he's coming back soon, number one, are you alert? And in the case of him coming back, will you be found faithful? Will you be found faithful? Number two, the enemy's plan is to deceive us. The only way we will stay true is if we know him and stay close to him. So my second thing, stay true. So first, 
be alert. Be aware of what's going on. Number two, stay, al- st- sorry, stay true. I've got now, stay alert, stay true, stay aware. Stay true. True to what? True to his call. True to salvation. In World War II, I might getting some details of the story wrong, but the FBI, it's either the FBI or the CIA, it started off with government agents, and it was either the World War II or the Cold War, and they were seeing the market being flooded with counterfeit money. And as the, the market was, or the, the country was flooded with counterfeit money, it brings the value down of their money. And so what happened was, is they employed guys to sit in a room, and all they do every day, in and out, is look and stare and feel and smell and lick and taste and an original note. All that they do. Because when they put their hands on something that is a counterfeit, they knew it immediately. Why? Because they knew the original well. That's all they knew. In the same way for us to stay true, we need to bring ourselves to that place of where we connect with God. Not just our church on a Wednesday or on a Sunday, but every day there's a breathing in us of having to be with Him. And there's two areas in this that I want to just point out to us. The one is this, a personal devotion, prayer and study of the word. That's a place where we stay true. Where we find the Holy Spirit working in us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Where we find that relationship that he wants with us in our own inner room. But then a second one which I believe is even more exclaimed in, in, in Scripture, is our devotion as a togetherness, as a people. The unity. There's more like unity of the brethren that is being mentioned and the, the, the value of that for us to be able to stay true, to be accountable, to not be led astray, like to not be taken by the enemy that's a, a devouring lion. It's in the place of this, where we are together. So we stay true in us reading our Bible, being with God, hearing His voice, following His commandments. And we stay true by being together, loving together, encouraging one another, being accountable to each other. And then the last one. So it's be alert. Stay true and hold on. Hold on. In verse 13, he says this. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Do not lose hope, but to hold on. The way we hold on is by doing what we've been asked to do. Jesus proved that what he was saying is true. He showed them that the death can't hold him back, 
the death or powers or principalities cannot fool his plans. He follows only what the Father tells him or shows him. The Father asked him to go to the cross. The Father raised Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The Father called him to heaven. And the Father knows he will be sending Jesus back to fetch the elect. It's to hold on to the words that were spoken to us. The words that was given to us. Not by men. Not by anything other than Jesus. His promise of coming back. His promise of what He's going to give us. His Holy Spirit. It's to hold on. And in the holding on, we can't just hold on without doing the work. Again, it's one of those things that it's not enough to just know that it's there and know that it's been said. No, no, no. As we hold on, He comes and He says this to us. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hold See, like I pointed out earlier, the ingredient for Jesus coming back is the gospel going out. Everything that we face in this world, we can face it because he's given the keys to us. He's given us what we need to know, how we need to position our hearts so that we don't get overwhelmed, so that we don't get led astray, so that we don't shrink, shrink back in fear. He's given to us what we need. Let's close our eyes. Verse 14 says this, And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as the testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Church, I want to ask us that we don't just go into this year with another year, another set of plans, another set of resolutions. All to just grasp towards that thing that we think will make us better people. Or will make our life better. Or will make our life easier. No, but that we position our hearts and we set our eyes towards Him. Towards His mission, towards His purpose, towards His work that He set out for us. And that we know and be confident in this, that He is giving us everything we need in order to walk it out. Because he's hard for us. He is far more invested in us to be found faithful than what the desire in our own hearts is to be faithful. So for this year, be alert. Stay true. Hold on.
Father, we want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you for this next season that is coming. Thank you, God, that as I look across this room, I see so much that you can do with us. If we look at the disciples and we see who they were, God, what can you not do with this room? So I pray for each and every one of us here this morning. I pray in this time that you will, through your Holy Spirit, help us to stay alert. Staying alert to the schemes of the enemy. Stay alert in being full of expectation of your leading, of your voice, of your spirit moving in us. I pray, God, that you will help us to stay true. You've sent your Holy Spirit that we might know you, that we might come to know you in the fullest way possible here on earth. And I pray for each and every one of us here this morning that we would be able to stay true to your Holy Spirit working inside of us. And so God, we want to come and we want to open up our hearts. We want to open up our lives and say, come and have your way in us. Help us to be faithful in front of you. I pray in this, God, that as we're faithful, that you will keep our arms strong, that we can hold on. That whatever famines, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars come our way, that your kingdom and your gospel will be at the forefront, at the spear point of everything that we do. For your name's sake. Oh God, we want to thank you for your love towards us. We want to thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. That where we fail, that you pick us up and you envision us again, God. I want to ask you that as our eyes are closed, if there's anyone here this morning, and I've spoken and said quite a lot of stuff, but if something happened in your heart the way you know, like what Rihanna's talking about you, I know I'm not part of this. I don't know Jesus in this way, but I do want to know him in this way. If that is you here this, this morning, I want to encourage you to not wait, but to in this moment say, God, here I am. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to see you work in my life and through my life. If that's you here this morning, you've never given your life to him, I want to invite you this morning and say, now is the moment for you to give yourself to Him. So if that is you, don't you just, it's not to bring shame or anything or to point you out, but don't you just want to stand in a response towards Him? And just look at me or show me your hand so I can see you. We just want to see you. I want to thank you here this morning, God, for the work you're doing in us. And I pray that for us as a congregation, as a people, that in this year that we will see your kingdom come. 
that we will see your glory being manifested in our lives and through our lives. God, we want to give you all honor and all praise. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.